Welcome to the Tribute to Happiness at Work, at Home, in Life podcast. What is happiness? Where do you find happiness? How do you feel happiness? Do you control your own happiness or is somebody else controlling your happiness? Are you living a meaningful and worthwhile life where you experience joy, contentment and positive well-being? Do you feel happiness at work, at home and in life? In this Tribute to Happiness podcast, you will discover what happiness means to people all over the world and how they implement happiness in their life. Here is your host, Hjeden Svenperson, and with him you'll explore these and other interesting topics. Hello and good morning. This is Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer calling. If people want to let go of the past and fully embrace their future, how do they do it? As we know, there are so many labels in the world. Gay, lesbian, transgender, white, black. Why can't you be you? Why can't we just be people? Are you controlled based on other people's expectations of how they think you should be? Do you play by other people's rules? In this episode of Tribute to Happiness, we explore the vision of a world where there is no judgment. So, who are we calling today? Hi, my name is Vicky Poole. I am a ancestral healer and executive coach. I'm here today to talk about happiness. Well, hello. So you just, you don't answer the telephone like that, do you? <laughs> Only when I know that it's you calling, Hedden. Oh, you, oh, because we had a little bit prepared, so. You did tell me you'd be calling me about this time, so. Yeah. So, again, because you are working with people to find their happiness. That's right. So how long have you been doing that? So I've been I've been doing it full time for about six months now. And prior to that, I was doing it for about two, two and a half years um, whilst I was still working in corporate. And what I found was that the more I the more I worked with people, the happier I became. And when I look back and reflect now on that time in my life, it's because I was acting in true alignment with what I really wanted to do. So I gave up corporate and I'm now helping people to to be more happy. Isn't it fantastic that in like pursuing your own happiness, then you help other people finding their happiness and then you are happier. That's lovely. Yeah. It's brilliant. But what what is your, do you have any uh, like education or are, are you a psychologist or are you, uh, what is Vicky? What is Vicky? Well, who I am and, and what my training is are two different things. So my training is, um, is an executive coach. So I'm certified through the Academy of Executive Coaching here in the UK. And when I was going through my uh, my certification, they showed you lots of different styles, techniques, and introduced you to um, multiple different facets of coaching. And the area which really resonated with me 
was about um, ancestral healing. So it's looking at traits and habits that we do now that that flow back to a time in our life when when we attached a meaning to a situation. So I'll give you an example of that because I know that's kind quite weird. Um, so when I was younger, my mom used to tell me that nobody would care about my shit. So I would just be told to sit in a corner and be quiet and continue coloring in. And it didn't matter that I was hungry. Now, back in the 80s, that was really common because that's what the culture was like in the UK. You know, no one cares about what's going on in your life. You have a stiff upper lip and you just put your head down and crack on. Well, as I got older, I actually had the belief that no one would be interested in anything that I had to say because no one would be interested in my shit. So everything that I did, I did by myself and it was heartbreaking. I, I almost was going to say, what the, you know, and the F word, but I'm not going to do it. But how on earth, even though, even though it was in the 80s, why on earth shouldn't you be of any value? Well, my family set up was slightly different. So my mum was born in the 40s and a lot of my friends had... Um, their parents were born in the 60s. So my I kind of like skipped a generation. Uh-huh. And my grandma, my mum's mum, was born in 1919. And she was quite influential in my life, just as every grandmother is uh-huh. quite influential in your life. So I had two, a quite large generation gap in there. And it was, I've got a lot, I did have, I did have a lot of old values where women would be um, subservient to men, women should always look after the house. You know, I grew up with a lot of those values. And it was only really when I went to university that I realized that those values weren't just outdated. They didn't really resonate with me. It's a bit like getting a present for Christmas that you don't really want. You're holding on to it because it's someone that you love that gave it to you, but you don't really want it. Yeah. And it's, it is also like my parents then were <laughs> similar age as your grandmother. That's how old they were, my parents. And it's just like, and they were truly based on this, like my mother, she was the ambassador of the home and she kept it neat and clean and stuff. And my father, he just like worked and drank like shit. Oops. Okay, yeah, because that, that's kind of the culture at the time, yeah. right? yeah. So you grew up with that, and you just thought that you were just, why are you here? And is it, it is, so I, maybe, oh, maybe this will be a, a session between me and you, and we can talk about, like, what baggage I have. No, I'm joking. But but you say that you went to a university where you discovered this. Like, in what were you, like, what was your grade in university then? Is that where you learned oh, the coaching? No, no, no. So I learned my coaching. Um, I certified last year, but I've been studying it on and off for about four years. Um, so I graduated university in 2006. Um, so, you know, I've been working and I've had these realizations that, that the core values that I had didn't really serve me. And it took me from when I was 20 till I was 28 to really understand that the values that had been given to me were were values suitable for the time 
but weren't suitable for my future. Yeah, And that's when I really started delving into my past, what these values meant for me. And I, I did courses right, left and center. I worked with lots of different healers trying to, to learn different techniques from them. And now I've got best of breeds. Um, I should also probably say at this point that I did spend 15 years in corporate sales. So it was part of my corporate sales background. Um, I did quite a lot of sales training, as you would expect. Um, and what the most valuable piece of information from there was, was everyone has different personality types. And by using, by listening to the, the words that people say, um, how they hold themselves in meetings, by the way that they structure questions, you can get a very good idea of what kind of person they are under the bonnet. So different techniques will work better for some people than others. How, <clears throat> how did your background, like if, if you, if your mother said that you should just sit in the corner and, and use your color, color book, how on earth did you get into sales? Did you have the confidence? That, did you have the confidence to go into sales? Because you have to take a lot of like nose, and you can really go down if you are not with this shield of if you haven't haven't learned the techniques of keeping the negative stuff outside. So there's there's actually a really good question headed. Um, I had the tenacity for sales. I didn't have the emotion for sales. So sales was um, a means to an ends for me because another value that I had, um, I grew up um, below the breadline. Um, we were very, very poor. And another value that I attributed when I was growing up was to do anything to make money. So I finished my university degree. I looked up what jobs I could make the most money in the most quickly. And I did that job, which was sales. So I fell into graduate sales. And a lot of my peers who did my degree also went into the same program. They were only in graduate sales for two years, just for the experience. And then they went off and did something else. Me, I kind of got used to the money and, um, and stayed in sales. I was acting really out of alignment with my true self. Um, selling something to somebody that they didn't want or really need or didn't really do what it should do on the tin, all because you had a number dangling over your head that you needed to achieve. That part really didn't sit well with me. And you did that for 15 years? I did it for 15 years and I paid off my mortgage. Well, okay. At least you so, you got your house. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now I'm focusing on mental health. Yeah. Well, and, and when was it that you discovered, like, okay, did you hit a brick wall or did you just, like, lay in bed one night and just, like, Vicky, you're such an ass. How, how did you... <laughs> 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 well, I'm, you're one I, of two I, people who can get away with calling me that and not just because <laughs> you're in Iceland. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to a Brit. Like I thought, you guys. I thought you guys talked to like this is your lingo. <laughs> it is, dude. Totally. So I'll be really honest with you, Hedden. Um, it was as I was getting ready to go back from maternity leave, 
So I, I met my my soulmate um, in 2015, got married in 2017, and our little our little man arrived in 2018. And I was getting ready to go back to work in 2019 after four months off of maternity leave. And I really didn't want to go. And I feel this huge sort of divide in my heart of, you know, I should go out and earn money. I'm the breadwinner. Um, you know, I need to go out and earn money for the family. But I also want to stay at home and nurture this little human being. And my mental health took a knock. And... You know when you're, you know when you look in a mirror and you can see a spot on your face and you can see that's coming, but you don't squeeze it because it's not ready. Uh huh. That's what my mental health was doing at that point, and everyone else could see it around me, and they could just, they were ducking in a corner, go, she's going to blow shortly. And you know what? I got made redundant from the company, so I ended up actually having some more time off with my son, which I desperately needed, and. I then kind of just sat there and thinking, what do I really want to do with life? What do I want to do? And I thought I wanted to do something else in sales. So I went back into um, uh, software, tried a company that I was warned about when I joined um, and I lasted 12 months and the culture was just, again, really not in line with what I was really wanting. And that was like the message from the universe for me to actually go in alignment with myself. So I needed the test. I needed to be able to sanity check what was actually going on and how everything needed to work in my life. And I got the message from the universe. And that's when I actually sat down and thought, you know what? I've wanted to do mental health and work in this environment for so long that this is what I'm gonna do. I don't have a mortgage. We can pay the bills on my husband's salary this is the point in my life now where I can do this. And I've started giving back. How, <clears throat> how is it for you? Like, uh, I'm thinking about your background and your upbringing and stuff and your family. When you were in this situation, like, did you get any help from them or were they, because as you say, you have like these older parents and, and uh, your surroundings maybe are older than we, uh, like today, but like, did you get any support from them or did they say, oh, suck it up and just go out there and do your thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, my parents are on American heading, but thanks for the uh, trying the British accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, my When I told my dad I was pregnant, he went, really, you're pregnant? That's brilliant. What are you going to tell your boss when you tell him that you're not going back to work? And that's what he said to me. No. So when I, yeah, so when I, when I was struggling and I got made redundant and, you know, I really was just looking for help and some guidance. My mum was there and she was very supportive and she was the one who was pushing me back to work. And my dad was the one who was pushing me to stay at home. Weird. Yeah. That's um, weird. It, <laughs> yeah. my husband's always wanted to be a kept man actually um which which was quite amusing that now that he's working more than i am at the moment but he's working for a company and has more defined hours um i work um split days between time in uh, for uae and saudi and then time for america with some english clients interjected in the middle well he will probably be kept when 
the situation will be better in the world, isn't he? <laughs> well, when everyone's happy in the world, I'll be finding myself without a job. So that's when I'll get to move on to to the next phase of the plan. Yes. But, okay, then you found yourself after this agonizing, then, like, it is always disturbing to, to find oneself in a situation where you, like, where am I to go and stuff, and you know what you want, really want to do. And then you step up and say, I want to work with mental, mental health, or, like, happiness in this case. Um, when you, how... Like did the fog lift, or what, how? How can you can you re, do you remember the, like the feeling when you just like, oh, this is so what I want to do, and I'm going to pursue it. There was one particular incident that happened in my life, and I was actually working with a NLP hypnotherapist at the time, and there's. The memory that I spoke about before, the, you know, sitting in the corner, you know, be quiet, Vicky, no one cares about your shit. That, for me, was a huge breakthrough because the second that I knew that memory and I could see the impact that that memory had on my life, I was able then to look at that feeling every time it came up and went, oh, it's just a memory. Yeah. And I then started to see other patterns that happened in my life. Like I always go for the same kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And it's the, oh, I I go for the same kind of guy because I'm looking for someone who meets this list of attributes, but I don't like guys with that list of attributes. So I'm looking for for guys who fit this list of attributes. Well, that's just rubbish. So then I started seeing some ladies and I couldn't find the attribute list that I wanted from there because I was looking specifically from like a like a a man needs to have this list of attributes, a woman needs to have that list of attributes, and I just couldn't find anything that would fit. So I ended up just writing a list of attributes for my perfect partner, and then thirty days later I met him, and then I started to realize the power of it's the power of looking at your past and taking the healing from it. Because your past is what's happened to you. You know, it's happened, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, however old you are. And if you're still reliving that story in your life today, you're never going to move forward to get what you really, really want in life. So by listening and replaying that story over and over again, all your brain is doing is reminding you that something happened that you're not happy with. That's not on your on your path for destiny. It's not on your universal trajectory. And you need to take a learning from it or you're just going to keep repeating over and over again. And when you take that learning, you then know what you really, really want. And that enables you to get the future you want. Did you, in your work, did you discover something you were frightened to step into? Because I, I, f- I feel you, I, I feel this because with my background, you have to, like, your past does not define who you are today because you have to let go of some things. Because my mother was, she had a knack for, like, I met her maybe once a week or something and she always mentioned my weight. Are you getting fatter? <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> every time the answer was, like, 
No, but it's the same answer to like the last week. You don't have to ask me every time I see you. It's just like <laughs> so like and and it is when you go back, when you go and look at your past and you may you think you find something that could be disturbed or or could like put you over the edge or something. How how did you manage to just did you just go head in or like throw yourself in a your deep end and boo? I enjoy working with coaches um, because when you're working with somebody, you can always kind of explore different perspectives. Because the one thing about your past, I beg your pardon. Let's let's do this from a, like an event perspective. If you think of an event that happens between two people, there will be person A's side, there'll be person B's side, and then there'll be what actually happened. So there's always going to be three perspectives on a situation. And when you're working, when you're looking back on with yourself and just looking back at situations that have happened in your life, you only ever really see your perspective. And you can look at it from the perspective at the age that you were at that time. And you can also look back at it from the person that you are now, which is why childhood and looking back at childhood memories and situations are so powerful because people who do this now are adults and they can look at it with their child brain and see why they, they took that meaning and why they took that learning. And then they can look at it with their adult brain and say, oh, I can see why I did that, but it now no longer makes sense. And when you're working with a coach, it adds like another layer. Yeah. Coaches have the wonderful ability of being able to ask questions in such a way that it really does tease out what's working there. And there have been some things that I didn't want to go back and explore. And the things that you feel the greatest resistance on are the things that are actually showing up in your life today. So by actually grabbing it by the cojones and actually looking at what's causing you the most resistance that's what's going to help you move forward. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. But you're going to get the best results from it. Yeah. So when you are working with people uh, regarding to helping them finding their own happiness or or happy spot or how do you present it to them? Like, what is afterwards, like for you, the happiness of work? Because I'm I'm talking about like you are your... You are the tool for other people, maybe. So, what brings you joy, and how is how is your happiness at work? How does that like come in sight? So, happiness for me comes from hearing the transformation from other people on their side of things. Um, I was working with a lady who wishes to remain anonymous. Um, and she had gone through years of therapy and counseling regarding a family issue. And she, she, she signed up for one of my free courses. And as part of that, she got some one-on-one -on -one time with me. And the comment and the feedback that I got at the end of the course was just amazing. And um, it's actually a reference that's on my website at the moment. And it paraf paraphrasing, it's the um, two years of therapy and counseling peeled in comparison to a two-week course with Vic in a one-on-one -on -one session. I've now been able to pick up the phone to a family member that I haven't spoken to in 10 years. Wow. That, for me, you know, people, I, I can't break down the blocks in someone else's mind. 
I help people to see where they are and then they can then choose whether or not to let this memory control their life. When someone is ready to let go and take control back again, that that block has no power. And the second that block loses its power, you're then able to move past it and to move into a happiness spot, which is why you heal the past to allow your future to shine. Or as you said, your past does not define your future. Absolutely brilliant. And how how much of it, when you're talking to your clients, how much is it because like people are doing something that they literally, as you were saying, like you maybe when you were in sales, you didn't like it was not what you wanted in life. How many of your how, how many of your clients are doing stuff because their parents told them to or they are like not happy to or they 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 are afraid to show the world who they are as a person like this it, it is like you were talking about when you were a little girl you sat in a corner and like it's just like when do you like when do you wake up how do you wake up and how can we make people realize that you are what you are and that it's not your parents who define you you define you yeah huge huge topic and this for me is poop the power of other people's perspectives love that poop poop yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love my acronyms. I yeah. come from telecoms. Everything has to be an acronym. <laughs> so yeah, the power of other people's perceptions. So I here's a really great analogy for you. Um, so in life, we have a love or a hate scale. So we do things because we love them or we do them to avoid a fear. So do you study 40 hours a week to get um, the best exam result that you can because you love the subject or do you do it out of fear of failure or being in the bottom 5%? And when you understand what your the, the modus operandi behind doing that action, it allows you to really kind of tune in to whether or not you're acting based on someone else's perceptions. Um, so like in that exam scenario, is getting 40% on an exam a fail? Well, it's not because I remember setting an exam when I was at university and the highest score on that test was 43%. So having 40 out of 100 actually could be a good thing. You're in the top, you know, 10% of the class. Yeah. Whereas if the average score is 90, then a 40 would be considered bad. And it's a, it's a scale. It's a perceptional basis. And the only person's perception or the only person's opinion who actually matters is your own. And as we grow up, you know, we say things to our kids like, oh, darling, you shouldn't eat that. You know, you've got dinner in 10 minutes. No, you can't have a chocolate bar. Oh, darling, you've got your pants all dirty. We need to go home and change them, shouldn't we? You know, we, we tell our kids, you know, that it's more important to be concerned with how we look and how the other world perceives us than actually how much we're having fun and how much we, we are enjoying ourselves. And this is, this is something that we as human beings have done throughout the ages. 
And it's only now that we live in a world of awareness and consciousness that we get to realize that if we perform a given action, we get a given outcome. And if we don't want that outcome, we don't need to do that action. And, you know, we are breeding uh, a race now. In fact, the millennials are starting to take over the world. Um, So I'm one of the older millennials, even though I kind of feel a bit too old. But there are people now who are hopping companies every 18 months, two years, because the company no longer fits with their um, with their ideals of a company. It no longer fits with them as a person. And instead of looking at their CV and going, oh, God, you know, it looks really bitty. I've done 12, 18 months at most of my last employees, which is something that I used to struggle with. You know, they look at it and go, well, so, and... I joined, I joined company X because they said that they were going to cure cancer and all they've done is polluted the, the atmosphere. So they're not acting in alignment with what their promises were. So I'm going to go off to another company who is currently delivering on their promise. And it doesn't matter what my CV looks like because I don't care. And I call this new generation of people the so what generation. Mm-hmm. So what? If I have to buy three XL pants, I like eating chocolate. So what if I get 40% on an exam and everyone else got 90? It wasn't my, it wasn't my favorite subject. So what? And this, the power of the poop is, is not going to be present in this generation. But aren't they driven by the likes on social media? Younger generation does like a bit more on social media. I'll give them that. It's not all of them. It's not all of them. The younger generations have this, um, how can I say this? They're more interested in knowing and believing in you as a person and as an organization. And they want you to be responsible. So if if you're responsible for creating sustainable energy and all you're doing is you know dumping toxins into the sea well that's not in alignment with what you're talking about and that person will lose following people who act in alignment with themselves so there's a um uh an instagram blogger that i follow this woman's got thousands and thousands of followers and everything she does she she backs everything up so she she only wears clothes that are sustainably produced and she she tells them where they come from. You know, she promotes that. She found out that some of the clothes that she purchased from a shoe, a shoe shop here in the UK, whilst it said it was vegan, it wasn't, and she she held them to account. This is the power now. People are gonna follow people like her because she holds other people to account. And it saves the average person from having to do all this research on themselves. Yeah, you have to be true to your values and true to yourself. And if you believe that you are you are helping the environment, then if the companies are not doing that, then they have to be accountable. So that's that's great great stuff. But to move forward, and now you have talked about you have a little gem in your home. I do. So he must be your happiness at home 
So how, how <laughs> what what is that wiki like? Okay, the thing about having babies that is the like almost the okay literally the biggest thing you can ever achieve because your perspective in life just changes, and the one thing that you are absolutely certain of that is you're not going to do the same mistakes as your parents. So, Vicky at home, happiness at home. How 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 do you consider? Like, are you are you like th- do you think about it all the time, or or how how do you express your happiness at home? Oh, expressing happiness at home is laughing and giggling and joking and prancing about to music, and it's allowing. It's allowing my son to be like a two-year-old. He's a t- he's two at the minute, so it's allowing him to be him at the age that he's at. And I I I make a concerted effort to to do all the things that I wanted my parents to do with me when I was his age. Like, no, you can't have an ice cream, and that was the end of the conversation. Yeah. Whereas, no, darling, you can't have an ice cream. We've got five minutes before dinner. You can have one after dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, and we actually talk about it. And oh, people have asked me if we've had the terrible twos. And we haven't. Because every time George, sorry, my little man's called George or G or Splat. Um, <laughs> Splat. <laughs> Splat. Yeah. It's a, it's a nappy joke that okay. my husband and I had. Um you know, whenever he's, you know, whenever he's like kicking up, it's because he he doesn't understand what's happening, and he wants to understand, but he can't find the words to articulate what he wants or what he, or what he's not understanding. So go down to his level. So I usually sit on the pavement, cross-legged. He sits on my knee. We have a chat. We talk about it, and you know. Parents here in the UK are really judgmental. They look at you and go, oh my God, she's sitting on the pavement. What is she doing? And it's the, I'm parenting my son. Mm. And it's not only I'm parenting my son, I'm parenting him in the way that I wanted to be parented myself. So by helping him in the way that I do today, I'm also helping to heal my past because those are the things that I wanted most. And when it comes to our household, you know, they're very few screaming matches, very few tears. It's it's lovely. It's almost the polar opposite from my childhood. And there is a distinction between those two sentences. No, you no ice cream and then no darling, we are having dinner in five minutes, but maybe afterwards or whatever how how you but there is just there is an ocean between those two sentences. So I applaud you for doing that because this is parenting at its best. Yeah. So there's a there's a really great book um, that people can read, and it's not mine. Uh, so I'm not plugging my own material here. It's a um, Marshall Rosenberg nonviolent communication. Um, it's a an American guy who grew up in a rather rough part um, of a city, and he became a psychotherapist um, through his training, and he. He's now, um, if not one of the um, go-to guy for understanding 
language in conflict scenarios. And the, the piece of his book that really resonated with me is parents say a statement and then don't explain why. So the kids don't have any understanding of why that statement is, is being given to them. No, you can't have ice cream. We're having dinner in five minutes. Ah, oh, okay. The kid then knows why they can't have ice cream. But after dinner, it's a, oh, okay, so we've had dinner now. Can I have some ice cream now, please? Yes, of course you can. We've had dinner. Yeah. Huzzah. Whereas before, when I was a kid, it was, no, you can't have ice cream. And then I'd sit there desperately wanting ice cream after dinner. And, you know, I've already been screamed at once today. I don't want it again. So you sit there and you're desperately wanting something. And you're, you grow up with this feeling of unworthiness because you don't know why something is, why something is so. And in fact, Marshall Ros um, Rosenberg's book is so brilliant that it actually cured a family rift that I had for 20 years with a member of my family just by reading the introduction and half of the first chapter. It is phenomenal. So if anyone's look, listening to this and really wants to kind of, you know, get under the bonnet of some of the things that could be going on, going on in their life, it's about 15 euros, including delivery. It will be the best 15 euros you spend. Wow. That is a great endorsement for a book. But to finish up, happiness in life. What do you guys do f so to, like, okay, we have this pandemic, and to, <laughs> this is just, you ha you guys in Britain, you have had, what, three or four lockdowns? Oh, <coughs> I, I, one continuous lockdown, pretty much, um, with, a, with a little holiday in between. Um, yeah, we are, we are still in lockdown, 12 months now, so... But what what do you guys do to maintain your mental health in this and try to <clears throat> so you can like keep your senses and your happiness in life? How how I know that little splatter no <laughs> splat <laughs> little splat he must be an endless joy and endless happiness. But you you grown ups like what do you do to? like stay happy and happiness like uh, so you won't like you say you were saying that you don't scream at each other and stuff but what do you do to keep your senses in this weird pandemic okay is this is this me my family specific or more general no just you and you like what is happiness in <laughs> life for you like what what do you do like do you take a walk or just watch a film yeah, no we, we walk. My husband and I are big movie buffs. We, we like a movie. Um, we find most of our pleasure outside. Um, I've got bird feeders in the front and back gardens. Um, we've got some really wonderful birds that come to visit us almost daily. Um, and it's fun to, to listen to the bird calls outside and trying to guess what, what kind of birds they are. And, oh, what betide you if you're late putting the food out? My God, you get told off by the birds for that. <laughs> so that's that's fun. Like, yeah, I love bird singing and stuff. So it's just like you be grateful for everything you get. And nature is just like awesome place. And that brings me to because we have to finish off. And that brings me to our little lovely volcano we have here in Iceland at the moment. And I always get my people who are talking to me to say one Icelandic word. 
Okay. And your word is Keldingadalur. Can I have that again, please? <laughs> Keldingadalur. Keldingadalur. <laughs> <laughs> we just rest there. <laughs> Vicky, it, ha- <laughs> it has been a great conversation and I hope, really hope that people, they can like resonate and and if they want to come in contact with you we will put it of course in a, on a facebook page and stuff but how how do they get in contact with you do you have your own is it the wikipool.com page wikipool.co.uk uh, oh, um, is my website yeah sorry um and my website has links to all of my other social media feeds um but i'm also on facebook as well so you can catch me on my personal page of vicky pool um, and you can also catch me on my business page on Facebook, which is Vicky Pool Coaching. And LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, yes. But like I say, all the, all of the other social media feeds are on my website. You can just click straight through. Yeah. And you are. Otherwise, I'll be here one day. And you are a techno buff. I I I I I, I don't know. No, no comment. Um, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> yeah. But Vicky, thank you so much for for chatting with me, and I hope your days ahead. And just, I I I can't express how grateful I am that I we got to know each other, and and meet because I love talking to interesting people. I'm curious guy, and I think that people should contact you and talk to you because you know stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So thank yeah, you very much. Totally. And have a have a great weekend, week, everything. Totally. Thanks, Hedin. And to you, lovely. Thank you. This has been the Tribute to Happiness podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. You'll find us on social media.